You're listening to Youth and Loud, the show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. Tonight, we're joined in the studio with Roxy and Bianca. Roxy is a high school social worker, and Bianca is a coach for a program called the Youth You Program that helps young people overcome drug addictions. For the first part of the episode, we'll discuss self-love, self-perception, and the link between the two with self-harm. For the second part, we'll have a chat to Dr. Joe Roberts about how we can support someone who self-harms or maybe at risk of self-harming. Joe is the head of suicide prevention research at Origin Youth Mental Health and offers valuable insights about the issue. Um, all right, so welcome to Youth and Loud. We are joined in the studio with Nathan and Roxanne and Bianca, and today we're talking about um, self-harm, self-love, and self-perception amongst young people. Um, so just to kick us off and break the ice a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what your life looks like, and what's been the best thing about your year so far. Sure. Well, at the moment, I, um, I'm living with a roommate. Um, I'm on Get Serial on a Wednesday from 6 till 9. I'm working on a couple of podcasts, including this one, and I'm also studying a diploma in leadership. Um, cool. And Roxanne, what, what about you? Um, welcome to the show. It's the first time for, for Roxanne. So. Uh, my life at the moment revolves around my one-year-old. So I'm um, a relatively new mum. So my life revolves around changing nappies and poop and um, getting excited about things like first steps and eating oh, yeah. by herself and mm. fun things like that. I'm sure there's also a bit of vomit in there as well somewhere. She's not a big chucker, Lily. That's good. She's, she's alright on the chucking. Yeah, she great. Chuck a lot. No, That's a good thing. not a big chucker. That's so. good. And I've heard, I guess, raising kids are like um, extremely challenging at times, but extremely rewarding. Yes. Is that, yes. that be true? Oh, it's, uh, it's the best, hardest, most challenging. Oh, it's this cliche. Pick a parent cliche. Yeah. And, and it's a cliche because it's true. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. Um, yeah, and Bianca, welcome back to the show. Um, Bianca you. was on the show last year to talk about overcoming drug addiction. Um, so it's cool to have you back. Um, so yeah, what's your what's been happening this year? And uh, tell us about about yourself. Um, this year's been pretty big, actually. Um, so I'm a coach for a youth program, helping youth recover and overcome drug addiction. Um, I suppose I, this year's been big for stepping up my role within the program um, and hosting my own talks and uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been pretty massive. Yeah, very enjoyable. Um, had some good, I suppose, outcomes with some of the kids coming through our program recently. So, yeah, it's been really, really good to see them move on with their life and be able mm. to separate from the program and get on with it. So, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thanks thanks again for coming back, Bianca. No worries. Thank you for having me. Yeah, ple- pleasure. Can I ask you guys, has there ever been a time uh, in your personal life where you've struggled with uh, self-love? Um, so one of the main things we were talking about on this episode is self-love and self-perception. So in your personal life journeys, has there been a point where you've really struggled to have that uh, love for yourself and um, struggled to uh, accept yourself in that way? 
Um, and what, what what are some of the things you've learned from it? So over my recovery in the last two years, um, I I had a massive um, a massive part of my recovery or in my recovery was not being able to recognise myself. Um, so like when I came off the drugs, I put on a lot of weight. My skin got bad. I wasn't socialising. Um, I found it really hard to look at myself in the mirror and to identify who I was looking at Mm. because I wasn't who I didn't have what I used to rely on. So I used to rely on my appearance a lot. Um, and I suppose through my recovery, I had to find self love from the inside. And then I I eventually, I showed it on the outside again, if you know what I mean? Like it was very, very hard for me to identify with what I was looking at in the mirror. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of uh, down times, um, a lot of self-hate, um, not being able to accept who or what I'd become and not knowing um, when I would be able to identify with myself again. Mm. Yeah. So what, what are some of the factors that help you get through that um, self-hatred or struggling to look at yourself in a positive light? What are some of the things that help you move past that? Well, I suppose I, I took on like, um, I just started or trying anything that would make me feel better. So, like, I'm very big on mindset tools anyway, so staying positive and stuff like that. Um, And going to the gym, because obviously that started with, like, wanting to get my figure back, I suppose, but then it just turned into a mental sanity sort of thing, and now I do it for, like, just getting that energy out and keeping active and... You know, it's more and therapeutic. Yeah, things, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, just feeding, fueling myself with um, healthy foods and, you know, mm-hmm. like and realizing, just being in touch with myself and realizing when I eat healthy foods, I feel better about myself, mm-hmm. like mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Like if I eat bad foods, I just, I, it puts me in a bad headspace, mm-hmm. um, mainly because it, it makes me feel sluggish and sick and, you know, so I suppose it just, it was all those elements put together, just taking care of myself um, mentally and physically, yeah. And I've heard there's a connection, um, you know, between our physical health and what we eat and how much we exercise and how we feel um, in terms of our emotions and our yeah, um, totally. mindset. Absolutely. Um, and it sounds like for you that's been a large part that if you've been physically healthy and eating healthy, you've noticed a real difference in, in your mood and just yeah. in your ability to... Um, yeah, to move forward in life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and what, what about you, um, Roxanne? Um, I guess um, I guess there's always um, ups and downs, you know what I mean? Mm. Like in your regular, someone will say something and you'll have doubts about yourself. Mm. But I guess my longest period was probably in my adolescence. Um, like I'm 30 now, so I feel like getting older has been really good for me because <laughs> I um, have learnt more about myself and feel more confident in who I am. Mm. But I think the pocket of time, um, but probably between 15 and 20, 22, 23, was really hard because I didn't know who I was and everyone was saying different things to me. So you get some people that were quite positive and then other people that were quite negative. Yeah. Um, so learning how to love yourself in the midst of lots of other voices mm. is very, very difficult. Um, so it sounds like you were in a place where you're struggling to, to know who you are and yeah. perhaps struggling with that you know, strong sense of self-love and security. Yes. But the place where you're in now in life is much more settled and much more stronger yeah. in knowing who you are. Yes. Um, so how did you get from that place 
of where you were to where you are now, what, what are the things that kind of got you through that and made you more secure in yourself and gave you that strong sense of self-love? I think there's a few things. There's probably a few things. I think one is, one is a little bit of just growing up. Like, actually, one is a little bit of just getting older and, yep. you know, being in a different environment. Um, the other one would be um, having really good, strong friendships um, and a big turning point for me was um, was like I have I have a, a faith, and so that was a pretty big turning point for me for coming from a place of not feeling like I had any idea, and then finding something that was beyond myself. Because yeah. I feel like having something um, that has a bit more mystery to it mm. helped me feel a bit like when you feel a bit smaller in mm. a big world, it almost is like oh, there's something better than me out there. And it brings me a little bit more purpose, mm. personally. In, in saying that your faith has been a part of um, helping you get through some difficult things in life yep. and finding that sense more about who you are and having that sense of self-love, yep. um, was there a particular moment that was kind of a turning point for you? Yeah. Where things started to really change? Yeah, I think actually the biggest turning point, which is a little bit, this might seem like a little bit of an oxymoron, but... Um, the biggest turning point for me in self-love was when I was going through a really, really hard time. Um, I was really anxious. I was, I was having really poor sleep. Um, I was having horrible nightmares. I was going through this really hard time. And the way that I perceived God being in that moment is not to pull me out of it, but to sit with me in it mm. and to actually go, this pain is real. What you've been through is real. I'm going to sit with you in it. And being able to trust that someone sits with you when you're feeling rubbish will help move you out of feeling rubbish. Mm. Um, and that's how I perceived. So, like, for example, if I had a nightmare, I perceived God sitting at the edge of my bed just going, I got, I'm here. Mm. Not, like, taking me out of it and just going, everything's going to be fine, but yeah. actually just going, I'm going to sit here. It's rubbish right now. You feel mm. like uh, crap, but it will get better. Yeah. And going, it will get better. It's just um, so sorry, Nath. Um, it's just such a powerful picture that you've had of God sitting with you and not saying that you know I'm going to take away your problems, but saying I'm going to be with you in the moment yeah. and sit with you in it and help you get through it. And you get stronger through that. Um, and I just I wonder if that's kind of a picture of how we can help other people. Yes. So a picture of how we can help someone, whether it's um, someone who struggles with with drug addiction or um, you know uh, their sexual life. Um, someone who does really struggle with self-love or what have you is just to sit with them, not not pretend and be Superman and say, I'll fix all your problems, yeah. but say, look, it's tough and it sucks, but I'll be here with you to yeah. sit with you and just to help you get through it. Yeah. Let's do it together. Yeah, I suppose look for the lessons as mm. well, you know, like like you were saying with the, the nightmares and yeah. like imagining or visioning God sitting there with you through it. I can imagine him saying to you, just sit with it. Yes. I'll be here with you, yeah. but look for what... There's something for you to learn. Here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess we're we're here today to talk about um, self love and self perception, and part of that is to have a discussion about how we can help someone who struggles to have that sense of self love. Um, in talking about the importance of gratitude, do you think having gratitude is one tool that would really help someone um, who struggles with that sense of self love? Um, and self-perception um, and could that work even in regards to themselves um, to say you know what's what's 10 things yeah. good about me what's 10 things I like about me yeah. is that one of the tools that you would 
Absolutely. Um, we do every, so every mentoring session that we do, and I also do it in my like um, everyday life is um, gratitude. So yeah, every, awesome. every time we do a mentoring session, we do two things we're grateful for, biggest lesson and two wins for the week. Yeah. Um, and I start my, I try to every day, some days I might forget, but I realize when I forget to do it because I start taking things for granted. Mm. So I try to start every day with, um, a couple of things that I'm grateful for, whether it be like a warm night's sleep or, yeah. you know, whatever's happened the night before, or, you know, people in my life, anything like that, because there is always something to be grateful for yeah. and grateful. Mm. Absolutely. Whenever I've got, um, somebody on the program having, uh, like a bad time, I just say, just sit there, list down 10 things you're grateful for, or like you're mm. saying, 10 things that you love about yourself, because you can always find something, no mm. matter how minute it is. It... You're listening to Youth and Loud. What does self-love actually mean to you? Like, if I were to ask you to define it in your own words? I think, um, like, being, like, in my own experience, I know what self-hate looked like and felt like to me and that was not being able to look at myself in the mirror and be happy and like now and it's more than super superficial like it's being able to look at yourself in the mirror and recognize the person that's staring back at you and know like that you are completely happy in everything that you do and yeah I think like being able to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you that you love yourself Mm. um is massive but yeah that's the way that I see self-love yep. is being able to recognize myself and honor who I am and mm. the decisions that I make. I wonder, I wonder how hard doing that is for some people who, um, you know, don't well, have that's that what I mean. like, good what, perception. I, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror, mm. let alone tell myself that I loved myself. Mm. Like yeah. it was a struggle to be able to, and even if I did look at myself in the mirror when I was like, I suppose I was going through a stage of self-hate, I wasn't really looking at myself. I was looking past myself. Mm. So, so yeah. do you guys, so do you guys think that therefore that how you see yourself um, affects other people, and has I suppose a knock on effect. I think that people can sense um, when I, I suppose when you are in a state of self love and um, gratitude and joy, like people can sense that off mm. you, and that mm, automatically so rises them up. So mm. definitely, if you're like in a state of um, I suppose n- non-love or a state of self-hate yeah. people can sense that as well so I definitely think it's a ripple effect mm. yeah there's a part uh, there's a part in, in, in the Bible where, where Jesus says you know love love your neighbour as you love yourself I was just thinking of that and mm. I aha uh-huh, it's meant to be um, I wonder if part of the reason he said that is because we we need to learn to love ourselves in order to truly love others, in Mm. order to show love to others. We need to first have that, you know, strong sense of love for ourselves. Um, Do you guys think that's true? We do, um, like I do with the kids on the program, the I am. So um, that's also in the Bible, I am that I am. Mm. Um, So anything that follows the I am is very, very powerful and it's kind of stating what we want to become. Mm. So I get the kids to list, um, like, say, five things that they want to be and then put the words I am in front of it Mm. and then repeat them to themselves because it's too often that, like, we put ourselves down and treat ourselves 
like horribly yeah. whether it be like we knock something off a bench and we go oh you're an idiot mm. or whatever yeah. that's yeah. still putting that into our subconscious because yeah. you know? that, that also comes down to like the power of words that if you exactly if you say something off enough eventually it's going to affect the and atmosphere you yeah. and you're going to believe it yeah so like the, with the exercise the i am exercise repeating nice things to ourselves mm. lifts mm. us up and we repeat it so often that we believe it. So mm. I think that's very powerful. And we wouldn't treat other people like that. If they spilled yeah. something, we wouldn't go, oh, you're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so why, if we wouldn't treat somebody else like that, why should we treat ourselves that mm. way too? Yeah. In my first, um, I suppose, couple of weeks of getting off the drugs, I had them listed and put up all around the house. And every time I went past them, I repeated them to myself. But it was... I'm lovable, I'm happy, I'm beautiful, I'm kind, I'm limitless. And they, mm. they were everywhere. Mm. And, I mean, now I remember them off by heart. But, mm. yeah, yeah. It, mm. it took a while for me to be able to say them out loud and it took even longer to be able to say them to myself in the mirror. But I think it's a massive, yeah. um, I think it's a really powerful exercise for yeah. anybody struggling. Yeah, yeah. Totally. When I talk to young people... And I asked them a question and I said, you know, do you want to talk to anyone about this? Or uh, should I be worried about you? And they go, no, I don't want to talk about it. I say, okay, if a friend was in your situation and you were hearing what they were saying, would you be worried? And they usually go, yeah. Mm. So their regard for other people is usually greater than their regard for themselves. Mm. So they care about other people more than they care about themselves. So how important is it to have a positive mindset and how does that lead us to have a happier and healthier life. Positive mindset is massive. Mm. It's so massive. It can bring you out of... If if you build up the positive mindset, if, if you build up the tools to pull yourself out of a negative mindset, like I believe that you've got... It's it's just the key, basically. Mm. I mean, because like we said before, it's self... Like, not self-perception, but it is perception. The way that we perceive everything is the way that we will feel about it. So if we can pull ourselves out of feeling negative about something and into a positive mindset about mm. it, then it's massive. It's, yeah. it's such a good point. And, um, you know, I think it leads to the reality that our our feelings don't always tell us what is true. Exactly. Um, we can be scared yeah. of things when there's no reason to be afraid. Mm. Um, yep. I mean, there's a healthy uh, sense of feelings. Like if we're near the edge of the cliff and we're feeling afraid, that's a good feeling to feel at that time, to feel at that time. But, um, yeah. yeah, sometimes our feelings can be quite uh, deceptive. But, yeah, it's just su- such a good point to, you know, yeah. have that mindset because it does influence how we feel and how we yeah. behave. And, and also um, questioning ourselves, like, am I feeling bad about this because I feel bad about this or mm. because I should feel bad about this? Mm. You know, like checking in with yourself and realising whether or not you actually are sad or angry or upset about something or if you think that you should be because they're mm. two totally different things. I think the, the idea of self-love makes it seem like you have to do it on your own, but you don't. Mm. So self-love is not something that you can do. You can't sit in a room in a corner and go, I will love myself. <laughs> You will do this. Like, there's a lot of power in, in doing gratitude journals and in yeah. having, you know, you have gratitude journals, you have gratitude jars where you write the I am's and fill a jar full of I am's and then pick one out. Those are all powerful things. Mm. But you need to also surround yourself with people who do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% yeah. agree, yeah. I don't think any any one of us can can do life alone. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. that it always kind of ends in failure or always uh, ends in stumbling 
in some area of our life we'll be trying to just, you know, be supermen, think that we can manage by ourselves. You, yeah. you need people to speak into your life and to help yeah. you and to keep you accountable, whatever it is. You just, you need that because yeah. we're, we're Absolutely. humans. Yeah, um, and I think it's like any, anything else. You need, you need people that will, you know, love you and put positive reinforcement yeah, into you totally. before mm. you can love yourself. And you can, um, for everyone, I think the... Um, when there's been like science done on words, they've said that for every one negative thing that is said to you, you need to hear, I think it's five or ten yeah. positive things that's, that's to where counteract. The, yeah, that's where the I am's come in yeah. like, like yeah. really powerful yeah. because, yeah. If you're a person that's getting a lot of negative talk, there's nothing wrong in going to someone and saying, I just need to hear something positive. Yeah. Mm. You know? Um, but there's also power in you acknowledging if you said something negative and then go, okay, I've said that negative thing. I now need to say 10 positive things, whether yeah. it's to the same person or whether it's to 10 different people. It'll change something in yourself to go, okay, that was negative. I've done two negative things. I need to counteract those by actually saying or doing several positive things. Yeah. And we feel so good about ourselves when we do something nice, mm-hmm. you know, and we totally. say something nice to somebody. You know, like whether it be just opening the door for somebody or smiling to a stranger in the street. And also us doing that makes us feel good. It makes them feel good. And even it's been proven people that witness a good deed, their serotonin levels rise up as well. So I think we Um, also have to balance that giving and receiving mm. as well and be open to receiving because there's a lot of us that are, it's like a very masculine energy to um, to not want to receive. So I think that we both, we have to um, be a giver and a receiver. Yeah, because yeah. I, I must admit, I I struggle with that myself. Mm. Yeah, and it's till and it's not until the person says, you know, I insist, I want to do this, I want to buy you that coffee or that meal. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I I used to be very um, probably heard Glenn say it a thousand times as well. Very masculine energy mm-hmm. when I first met him. So very shut off to the world and like I've got this. I'm. I, I don't am, need your help. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah. a big wall, sort of like. I carry myself sort of thing and it's just been over the last two years that I've accepted the fact that people are going to care about me mm. and it's okay to let people care about me and it's okay to yeah. receive like and and I wonder if that's um just such a good you know mindset to have to think that it's okay to let people care for me yeah and maybe that's a part of you know having that sense of self-love um, for yourself to believe that it's okay if someone cares about me. It's exactly. okay if someone compliments me and wants to help me. Accepting um, a compliment is massive. Oh, people just don't do it very well. No, yeah. they oh, don't. shut up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't. Stop yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't think massive. I do that well. Just say I thank need to you. work on that. Just say thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. You can tell when somebody um, growing in the self love department when they oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that people who struggle with self-love and struggle to have a positive perception of themselves are more likely to make life decisions that are harmful or dangerous? Um, Whether it's a person who self-harms or gets involved with uh, sexual exploitation um, or a person who takes drugs, do you think that there's uh, a stronger likelihood between the two? Absolutely. Um, I think that our self-worth plays a massive role. So we see it a lot in the program. Um, So people uh, who have low self-esteem and are going through self-hate, I suppose, um, because their self-worth is so low, they don't think twice about um, investing in something that's going to be harmful towards them. Mm. But when they're presented with, just say, like our program, we are big with investment in yourself. So it 
the youth in our program, they invest in the program because it, it is an investment in themselves and it just it teaches them, um, I suppose, the standards that they should be setting for themselves. And at the start, they all go, oh, I can't, um, I can't afford that or, you know, like, oh, where am I going to get the money for that? Mm. Well, you find the money to go and pay for drugs or, you know, do this or do that, which is all stuff that's harming you, mm. but you don't think that you can find the money or even if you had the money, you don't want to invest it in um, yourself, in your future. Mm. It's definitely a self-worth thing, um, building up. So once you... It's even like going and buying yourself new clothes or, you know, like a new car or anything like that. If you don't think that you deserve it, you're not going to do it. Mm. Um, so, yes, definitely people are more likely to partake in self-destructive behaviours if their self-worth mm. is low. Mm. Yeah, And I think some, some of the young people definitely, in terms of, um, if I was to speak just on the young women that I worked with who were being sexually exploited their self-worth was robbed from them mm. so it's not just that they so you by, by robbed um roxanne you mean that they were abused yeah sexually? so That's... whether it was whether it's their self-worth is robbed from them through their childhood mm. where they grew up in a place where self-worth wasn't taught to them which yep. happens to a lot of young people um and I, and I find too like it's so it's so that the sense of self-worth and self-love is actually so easy to lose because i remember for a period of time after i'd been forced from home I ended up living with these um roommates that I knew and they were just absolutely you know constantly negative and verbally abusive and it got to the stage where it was just like I almost don't want, want to live because the reality is they're constantly telling me that if I don't change my health habits I'm gonna die and it was reinforcing the well if I'm gonna die I might as well just eat myself to death mm. and it was and it was and it's so easy to to you know, it, it robs your sense of, you know, well-being as well. Yeah. yeah. If no one's telling you any different, you'll yeah. just keep, you will keep. If you grew, say, say for example, I'm talking about a person who grew up in an environment of harm. So if you grew up in a place that was really harmful to yourself, you're going to continue to live like that. Mm. Unless someone... You don't know what love feels exactly. like. Exactly. Unless yeah. someone says to you, hey, did you know that you're worth it? And yeah. the f- honestly, yeah. a couple of times I can distinctly remember a young person I spoke to even even a couple of weeks ago in school and I said to her, do you know that you're worth... Like, because she, she just said to me, I, just, I, I feel like I'm wasting your time. And I was like, you're not wasting wow. my time. Mm. This is ridiculous. I'm not having this conversation because it was an ongoing thing that she thought she was wasting my time because she thought she was a waste of time mm. because no one had ever told her that she was worth their time. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I, I found even, even for, for myself in that roommate situation, it got to the stage that when people would compliment me and you've probably had, you know, clients like this where it's just like when you do finally compliment and tell uh, compliment them, sorry, and tell them that they're worth it, they actually don't believe you not, because it's been ingrained in correct. them. Mm. Yeah. And it's like it's like it's almost that mindset of well you're just telling me what I want to hear so that I think I feel good. And then you you know you're fighting against like and like Bianca would know as well when you're working with young people you're fighting against like we talk every one bad thought takes ten good thoughts you're fighting against years of bad thoughts yeah mm. and yeah. but you have to just keep going because it, it, there's so much power in your positive words yeah um, and so yeah in terms of self harm or self destructive behaviours they do definitely connect to a lack of self-worth, definitely. You're listening to Youth and Loud, the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. If you'd like to find out more about the show, or if there's a topic idea you want to discuss, you can check us out on Facebook and give us a shout 
by searching youth and loud. Yeah, so, so what is the best response towards someone who, you know, does make these life choices which are harmful or damaging? Um, how should we respond to them? Just love them, really. Mm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, get around them. Um, encourage them to talk to people. Like, if it's if it's someone that's, you know, if they're um, a person that's your age and you feel like maybe... And don't be afraid to ask for help. If you're talking to a mm. friend mm. and your friend is um, harming themselves in a way that you're like, whoa, this is really intense, mm. ask them if you can speak to someone. Ask them to speak to someone. Go with them to speak to mm. someone. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're not just going, gee, you should speak to someone and just leave them to it. Yeah. Um, it's to actually encourage them. Build up their self-worth. Tell mm. them they're worth it. Tell them you care. Tell them you love them. Mm. Um, but also ask for help. Yeah, it's yeah. it's such a good point. And it's one of the main things which, you know, health professionals uh, talk about all the time. If you're going through a difficult issue in life, um, find someone to talk about it, vent yeah. about it, you know, let it out. Don't keep it inside and process it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've got to talk to someone about it, whether yeah. it is, you know, a close friend or a family member or um, a, a school chaplain or counsellor, you've yeah. got to let it out. Yeah, and, um, and knowing that it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, like, mm, totally. it's such yeah, a good point. Like yeah. we, it's okay to... I was just saying to the group this morning was... Um, you know, like if if you're feeling down, allow it. Like you've got to feel these feelings, and just mm. even if you decide, okay, for the next twelve hours, I'm gonna allow myself to bury myself in a sad movie and mm. just cry my eyes out, mm. and then eight a.m. tomorrow morning, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna have a shower, I'm gonna get dressed, and I'm gonna get on with my day, and I'm yeah. gonna be okay. So just allowing, because it's often that we that we feel so low, but we feel guilty about feeling low. So mm. we're like, oh, no, I, like, I've got too much to do. I've got to go do this. I've got to go do that. I can't feel sad. But just give yourself that space. But give yourself a time, like, uh, okay, but in the morning yeah. I'm going to get up Perfect. and I'm mm. going to get on with my day, yeah. you know, like yeah. allowing yourself that space to yeah. be sad because yeah. we've all got to feel those feelings. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. okay to, you know. Yeah. And in reality, you know, regardless of what a person is going through or not, no one has it all together. Mm -hmm. um, like, we've all got our issues and, and problems or dilemmas. No no one's perfect. Yeah. Um, we've all got our stuff that we need to work through in life. What is it when you look at somebody and you're like, oh, like, they've got they've got it together. Jealousy, or, envy? Not no? envy, not jealousy, okay. but... It's like a comparing yourself. Yeah, not comparing yourself yeah, to others. Yeah, like... Yeah not judging yourself and comparing yourself to others mm. all the time is you know because we don't know what other people are going through you know yeah. everybody and um do you think that part of that is accepting that you know i i don't need to be better than other people it's yeah. okay to be at the level i'm at absolutely and if a hundred people are above me that's okay yeah, yeah. um yeah absolutely because also something that i say to the guys is we want to be like say 20 steps ahead mm. but we're back here but everything that we've got to learn in those 20 steps is what will help us when we get there. Totally. And, like, we yeah. can't skip all that. Yeah. We can't skip that journey because yeah. we won't be, I suppose we wouldn't have built the foundation that we need to be at that 20 steps further. We'll learn the lessons. Mm. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 In saying that, Bianca, would you say that part of uh, working through self-hatred, part, part of working through really struggling to have that sense of self-love um, is going to be a journey and is going to be yeah, a process? Absolutely. But it's one which is, you know, much worth working through and continuing um, because the result will be worth it once yeah. you push through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had to remind myself 
all the time. Um, it's not going to stay like this forever. You just got to push through, you know, like everything that you're going through now is going to help you. So people would take photos, just say it was in a family photo. I look at it and I go, oh my God, that is disgusting. Delete it. Mm. And then I would literally say out loud, no, don't delete it because one day I'm going to want to look back on that. Yeah. Like I'm going to want to see that, you know. So you um, can see, see how, how far, far you've come. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I think he's not accepting or not allowing yourself to accept that you have to stay where you are. Mm. Like, mm. just always know that things are going to change. You can change your mind, you know, you can change your life. You can mm. change it any drop of the hat. Like, it, you don't have to stay where you are. Would another aspect of, you know, fighting against that self-hatred be to look back and acknowledge your achievements? Um, acknowledge the progress you have made instead mm. of looking at, you know, everything you haven't done yet. Just look at what what have I done? Reflect. How far have I come yeah. so far? I have those moments still where I'm like, oh my god, like I should be here. I should have done that. I need to do this. I need to do that. Like oh, like I feel stuck in a rut. And then like I've got to reflect and think, what would I say to the guys in the program? Like reflect mm. on well, where were you two years ago? Yeah. You know, mm. like look how far you have come. Look at everything that you've worked through. Mm. Yes, there's more that you need to do or you want to do, but yeah. that just drives you to keep going. Yeah. I'm aware that there there might be some people listening to this podcast who are struggling with what we've been talking about. Um, so there might be people who struggle with self-harm, who struggle with drug addiction, and they might really struggle to have that sense of self-love. Um, what can we say to encourage and what, what, what can we say to bring hope to these people? Um, the first thing that I would say is that you are not alone. I think in people... It's a good point. People, point. Yeah, yeah, people who are feeling, whether any kind of self-harm or any kind of uh, state where their self-worth or self-love is low, they usually feel quite a big sense of isolation because they feel like they're, only one, they're the only ones that feel that way and no one cares that they feel that way um, and know that you're not alone. So an adult or a friend or or someone in your school or mm. university line or kids helpline there's like a billion different places that you could go to there's something that i read in the bible that said couldn't tell you where um but somewhere where it says that god's strength is made perfect in your weakness mm. and um whether or not you believe in god i feel like where if you are weak there is someone around you who is strong so even um for you to be able to lean on someone it's that whole um if you know what a teepee looks like, all the sticks are sort of leaning on each other. Yeah. And in order for the teepee to stand upright, all the sticks need to lean on each other in mm. order to be standing. So if one was to stand up completely straight, the teepee would fall over. If mm. one was to be flat, the teepee would fall over. Everyone needs to lean on each other to actually have strength. Mm. Um, yeah, it's so, good mm. um, So I think that's really powerful. Like lean on your friends, lean on your family, lean mm. on your community. Yeah. And I think people need to realise, even from a Christian perspective, you know, that we, we are stronger, you know, doing life together rather than apart. You're saying the Christians are better? That's not appropriate, Nathan. That was a bad joke. <laughs> I, actually, I, actually thought, I thought I actually slipped off there. I was just like, oops. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I actually think even from... Oh, Sorry, Nathan. That's all right. I, I it's hard to equal, Nathan, for one. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I think we're all equal. Yeah, but, but I, <laughs> I've just lost my train of thought now. Sorry, man. So but from I, a Christian perspective. But I think even from a Christian perspective, you know, 
I think it's what, you know, one of the things that I suppose can set us apart is that, you know, we recognise that, you know, that we are that we are stronger together and then we're not made to do life alone. Because mm. a lot of people, you know, that don't necessarily share our faith tend to, you know, want to do life alone and think, you know, I've got this and I'm just going to journey it on my own. But the reality is we're not designed like that. We're, we actually mm. ironically created for community. And I guess on top of that, the other thing I thought of, um, part of what Christians uh, talk about and teach in a lot of churches is that everybody is loved and that God loves everybody, regardless of whether they're Christian or not, regardless yeah. of whether they're Muslim or atheist or whatever it is, God still loves them, you know, in the exact same way. That's, that's just yeah. who he is. And I think that part of helping someone overcome feelings of self-hatred or self-doubt is letting them know that they are loved. Yeah, and that, it's massive. that has nothing to do with their past or their background. Yeah. They're, they're just loved because God made them lovable. That was Peter and Nathan from Youth and Loud talking with Roxy and Bianca about self-love and self-perception and the link between the two with self-harm. Up next, we chat to Dr. Joe Roberts, the head of suicide prevention research at Origin Youth Mental Health. What are some of the root causes or issues that might lead a young person to self-harm? Yeah, I think the roots to self-harm are different for everybody and, you know, are, are complex. But I think probably the one thing that I would say is that, you know, that often for many people, self-harm is an outward expression of internal distress. So people don't self-harm because everything's fine. So for the most part, people who are engaging in self-harm are experiencing some kind of very intense psychological distress. And, and then what they find sometimes is by engaging in the self-harm, that provides a bit of a distraction or a bit of a release from some of those really intense, difficult feelings that they're trying to manage. For some people, self-harm can be a suicide attempt, but in many cases it's not. And I think that's probably an important distinction to make. And really the only way that we can know what's driving a young person to self-harm is by talking with them about it. So, Joe, you mentioned that uh, it can be, I guess, uh, an external expression of internal emotional pain that a young person might be going through. Um, what are some healthy things that teenagers can do to manage that pain apart from self-harming? Yeah, so I think it's a good question. I think there are lots of strategies that we can encourage young people to use to try and manage difficult feelings and difficult emotions. And one of the things that we always say to young people is not to be afraid to talk about this. Mm. So I think, you know, we would always encourage a young person who does feel like they want to hurt themselves or feel so intensely distressed that they feel they can't manage those feelings is to talk to a professional. Mm. And, you know, that, that's easier said than done sometimes. But we would say talk to a professional or a trusted adult. And whether that is done face-to-face, -face, so that might be a school counsellor, it might be a GP, it might be somebody at Headspace, or it might be online. So there are really good online services out there. And supports designed to help people who are experiencing these sorts of difficulties. So you just mentioned then that I guess if you if you have a friend who has been self-harming and they talk to you about it, is to sit with them in that conversation to not freak out about it, not try and quickly jump to another topic, um, but just to, to listen to them. Um, you say that's one of the, the main things that a friend can do, the trying to support someone who has confessed to self-harming? Absolutely. So I think often young people who talk, who engage in self-harm and they do reach out, they want to be heard, they want to have their story heard. But I think often we get afraid, we get afraid that you know, self-harm can be quite confronting 
um, and we're afraid that we might say the wrong thing. But ultimately, you know, what we would advise people to do is don't feel you've got to solve all of the person's problems, mm. don't try and get into problem-solving mode, and don't freak out, don't be scared, but absolutely sit with them in that conversation, hear their story, don't judge them, and then, you know, perhaps work with them to try and get them the help that they might need. So that might be around then helping them or going with them to seek professional help if that's, if that's necessary. For some young people, just simply sharing their story might be enough. And I think people get afraid to talk about self-harm because they're afraid that, of what, how other people will respond. So, you know, we've talked with young people a lot about this and they sort of say one of the reasons they don't talk about self-harm with professionals is because they're afraid of what they will do. They're afraid of how they'll respond. They're afraid of being locked up in hospital or, or judged negatively or mm. those sorts of things responded to in a quite a punitive way, which unfortunately we do see sometimes in services. So really, as a friend, the best thing you can do is sit and listen don't be judgmental, don't freak out, and just show, show your friend the care and compassion that you would want to receive if you were feeling distressed yourself. So, Joe, what, what is important to understand about self-harming um, so that we don't judge a person who self-harmed? I think that, you know, I think the point to remember is that a young person self, you know, who's self-harming is genuinely really distressed and really upset and probably quite afraid. And actually, I think if we can just hold on to that, that actually what the young person needs is some support and some compassion, then I think that's probably the most important thing for us to hold on to. Is there a question that, I guess, a young person can ask a friend if they do talk to them about the issue or even if they're um, looking down or looking upset at school, is there something basic that they can say to show their support? And what would that sound like? You know, I don't think this is rocket science. I think if you're worried about a friend or you've got a friend who's down or upset, I think simply asking them how they are or simply reflecting, you know, you're looking a bit down, you don't seem to be yourself at the moment, is something, what's going on for you? Is something, is something going on? Is there something I can help with? Do you want to talk about it? And I think, you know, any of those sorts of openings are kind of a good way to kind of open up a conversation. Mm. I think probably the most important thing is not to be afraid of the answer. And so if mm. then a young person says, says back, well, actually, I am feeling pretty crappy at the moment and this is going on or that's going on or whatever. I think it's then not to freak out by the answer and to be able to sit with that answer and, and to be able to support your friend along the way. I think the other thing is if you've got a reason to believe that a young person is engaging in self-harm or even having suicidal thoughts, it's okay to ask. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, what we say to people is, you know, maybe language like, you know, often when people feel as bad as you do, they, they feel like hurting themselves or they feel like they, they want to take their own life. Is that something that's going on for you? And, you know, just simply asking a question in a straightforward manner, I think not fudging around the edges and not beating around the bush actually gives people a language to use for a set of feelings or behaviors that are probably really frightening for them that they can't necessarily give voice to themselves. So by giving them the voice, by giving them the language, you're enabling them to then you're giving them permission to talk about those feelings. So I think simply opening a conversation like that is, is the best way to go. Just be clear um, and, and don't be judgmental and don't be critical in, the, in your tone. Just be caring and compassionate. And sometimes it might be distressing to ask a question like that, and that's okay. Mm. You know, sometimes it's okay to, you know, these are difficult feelings to deal with. So it's okay to feel a bit choked up if you're asking a question like that. But I think it's just then important to be able to sit with the answer and, and respond to the person in a compassionate way. And then to be able to say, you know, if, if you don't know how to help, is by saying, you know, I'm really worried about you. You know, can we go and talk to somebody about this? Mm. And getting their permission and then working with the young person to perhaps find somebody they feel comfortable talking to. 
Yeah, so you can even offer to go see an appropriate person to talk to if you feel like you, you know, don't know what to say or don't know how to help, just offer to go with them. Absolutely. We don't expect young people to have all of the answers to this. You know, it can be confronting to talk about, and often, as I say, people who are engaging in self-harm will often be experiencing really difficult and distressing, complex feelings and emotions. Um, So it's fine not to have all the answers. I think it's fine to sort of say, you know, is to go with the person on their journey and to sort of say, you know, let's go and find somebody you can talk to. And whether that's a school counsellor or a uni counsellor or whether it's a GP or whether it's somebody online or whether it's a parent, you know, but a trusted adult that then the person can talk to openly and they can help them get the help that they need. Um, I think one of the things that stops people asking these questions is a fear of not having all the answers and not knowing what to do with the information that a person gives to you. And I think what I would want to say to young people is to give yourself permission not to have all the answers. You know, actually, it's okay just to be nice to somebody and hear their story and listen to them and then help them get the help that they need. So would would a message be in that, Joe, that, um, you know, if you want to support someone at school or wherever it may be who self-harms, um, that you don't need to be an expert and it's quite okay to not have the answers and you can help them in simple ways just through listening and asking uh, basic questions. Um, so would that be part of uh, the message, I guess, of helping someone in, a, in an appropriate way? I think that's absolutely right. I think you don't need to be an expert to help somebody. And often, you know, we know from experience that young people don't really like talking to experts. They like talking to their friends and their peers and people they can trust. So I think absolutely, you know, we can all help people that are going through these difficult times just simply by being supportive and compassionate and comparing and com- caring, sorry. Um, so by being supportive and compassionate with them and not being judgmental. I don't think it's, I don't think you have to feel you've got to have all the answers. I don't feel like you've got to feel like you're an expert. I think just being able to support somebody and hear their story is often enough and then to know when to help them get extra help. Now, what um, what steps uh, can a young person take if they know that they've been self-harming and they struggle with it and they, they want to change? What practical steps can they take to bring about that change? Yeah, look, I mean, I think it's hard. I think it's different for everybody. Um, but I would say the best thing that somebody can do if they're engaged in self-harm and they, and they want some support and to help to stop engaging in that behavior, then I think the best thing to do is talk to a professional or talk to somebody that you can trust to then get the help that you need. I mean, I, I think it's really hard. I think with self-harm, there are lots of sort of environments, for example, or experiences or behaviors that might be triggering for a young person. So, you know, exposing yourself to self-harm in others, for example, can be triggering for a young person who engages in self-harm. So if you really want to try and stop that behavior, then I would be avoiding environments that you know should be triggering. So. For example, lots of people might go onto certain online platforms or social media platforms and they might be exposed to other young people engaging in self-harm or imagery or talking of self-harm. If you know that's triggering for you and you know that's unhelpful for you, then I think there's a a piece of work to be done around avoiding those sorts of environments that can be helpful. But I think to a certain extent we need to stop just thinking about self-harm as self-harm and think about the underlying distress that's driving the self-harm. And actually, if a young person you know, wants to stop engaging in self-harming behaviours and they probably need to get some help to deal with the distress that's driving that behaviour. So really the focus of um, a counsellor or therapist would be to how can we remove the distress in this young person's life as opposed to stop them from self-harming? You know, let's find out what's causing them to be distressed or anxious and let's, let's deal with that. 
Absolutely. And if we can't remove the distress from a young person's life, because often we can't, it's about helping them develop the skills to learn to tolerate or manage the distress. Joe, I think that's all the questions I wanted to uh, ask, but thank you so much for uh, being a part of Youth Aloud. That brings us to the end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Thanks heaps to Roxy, Bianca and Dr. Joe Roberts for joining us on the show. If you felt concerned about anything you've heard tonight, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 22 26 38. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thanks heaps for listening to the show and we'll catch you next time on Youth and Loud.